Would you turn your Bible, please, to Romans chapter 13. Romans, the 13th chapter. Thank you, Brother Richard Treadway, for that wonderful, the old rugged cross made the difference. Romans chapter 13. There are 14 verses in this chapter, and I want to read it as we listen from the Word of God. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, an avenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For, for this cause, pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time that now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in immorality and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. May we pray together. Our Father, we pray thou would guide us as we study the Word of God. And may we receive the message that God has for us. We pray that those who are without Christ We'll turn to Jesus today. This will be a day of victory and honor to the Lord. We pray in His name. Amen. I want to call your attention especially to verse 7. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And one other verse from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
The little phrase, honor to whom honor, caught my attention as I read this, reminding me that a lot of times we overlook people to whom honor is due. We do that day by day. We do it in our daily experiences. We do it in our growing up times, in our homes. We do it in the workaday world. Sometimes we do it in church. We often do it in our nation and in our world. Yesterday was June, uh, January the 21st. <clears throat> Very few of us have ever heard of a man named Edward Moat. He was born on January 21st, 1797. Well, you say, so what? He was born in England. He was a cabinet maker. God called him to preach. He wrote over 100 hymns, and among those hymns is the hymn we frequently sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And when we sing that hymn, seldom do we say, Lord, thank you for Edward Moat, who had that on his heart and gave it to Christian hymnody. January 21st, 1849, a lady by the name of Julia Harriet Johnson was born. She was born in Ohio, moved to Illinois when she was six years old. She wrote over 500 hymns. Most of us have never remembered Julia Harriet Johnson, but we cannot forget the hymn she gave us, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord, grace that is greater than all our sins. January 21st, 1870, William Ryan was born. He lived in New York. He was a Methodist. And you say, well, I don't remember that name. I don't remember ever thanking the Lord for William Ryan. He wrote the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. And when we sing it, though we do not remember the name, we give honor to the Lord. January 21st, that was yesterday again. 1887, Alfred Ackley was born in Pennsylvania. We think, well, I don't know whether I know that name Ackley or not. But then from time to time we sing his great hymn, he lives, he lives within my heart. I'm just giving illustration after illustration of people we seldom know about, we seldom mention, we seldom give them any honor at all, <clears throat> and yet without them, how spiritually poverty-stricken our hymn books would be. Longfellow put it this way, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints in the sands of time. And though we do not remember their names, those footprints lead us toward heaven. Now when Paul wrote, honor to whom honor, I think he had something like that in mind. Sometimes we overlook people to whom we give honor and should give honor. Today we honor our staff members, thanking God for each of these.
praising the Lord for their lives, thanking God that God led them to us here at Glendale Baptist Church to help carry the load and brighten the road and to do the work and lead us in doing the work God has called us to do. Well, as we think of this scripture passage, remember that Paul was a Roman citizen. He was calling attention to the fact that we live in a world that is governed by officials. And that there is no government except God placing certain people in governmental positions. The same thing is true in our lives. Not one of us asks for the parents we have. Now, in older lives, years sometimes, we uh, adopt certain people. We say, would you be my second mother or my second father? And we adopt them as parents. But none of us really chose to be born in the family we were born in. But most of us would have to say, if I could have chosen, they're the ones I would have chosen. Maybe that is not universally true. But we need to give honor to whom honor is due. In this particular passage, Paul gives four reasons why we need to submit ourselves to those in authority over us. Number one, beginning in verse one, he says, for wrath's sake, we need to honor those to whom honor is due. And he mentions the government officials. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves judgment. Now Paul is writing from a very practical standpoint. He is acknowledging and he, no one knew this better than the Apostle Paul, that we live in a world that hates God. The world in which Paul lived hated God. He was arrested over and over, placed in jail. He was flogged publicly. Finally, he was beheaded on the Appian Way by the Roman government. And yet he said, we're to submit ourselves to those who are in the authority over us in governmental positions. We're not to resist them, but we're to obey the laws of the land. Now every believer, especially this is true in the New Testament period, and it has been true all through the ages, every believer knows there's a higher law than the law of the land, that is the law of God. And God's law dictates to our heart and no governmental law can dictate to the heart of a believer. And so therefore, we must obey God rather than man, the apostles said when they were arrested, put in prison, were preaching in the name of Jesus. They were let out. The next day they were right out back on the street preaching Jesus. And, and the officials said, well, we told you not to speak in this name anymore. And they gave us an eternal principle when they said, we must obey God rather than man. And yet they did not lead insurrections. They did not lead 
rabble-rousing protests. They just preach Jesus. Now, you and I can learn a whole lot from this. It is important that we be subject to the powers that are over us. That if we disagree, in America we find ourselves in a unique situation. We've never had, since our original revolution, and I guess you could call the Civil War a type of revolution also, but other than those two things, we've never had a bloodletting revolution. When we do not agree with what the government is doing, we wait four years and then vote somebody else in, vote them out. But all the time they're in, we need to pray for them and ask God to give them wisdom and judgment. Every day in the Anchored Christian School, our students bow our heads and pray for America. We pray for the leaders of the nation. This is God's plan. Honor to whom honor is due, even though they may be dishonorable. For wrath's sake, very practical application, he says, because they have the ability to put you in prison, put you in jail, you need to obey the laws of the land. Again, let me reiterate that there is a higher law than the law of the land. That's the law of God. And those of us who are God's people are constantly in subjection to the law of God. So that if there should come a law in America that says you cannot witness for Christ, and we may be near that, there's a national bias against Christian faith in America. But should there come a law like that, those who know the Lord would have to say with Peter and John, we ought to obey God rather than man. Secondly, for conscience sake, look in verses 5 to 7, wherefore you must needs be in sub subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also for they that are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Our own conscience as a Christian demands that for conscience sake, and for self-esteem before others, and for confidence before God, that we obey the laws of the land. Do as God would lead us to do. Therefore, this is income tax time. And as much as we may say, I wish we didn't have income tax. And the government's already taking such a chunk out of our income. Think of cheat here and cheat here and cheat here. We dare not do that. The scripture says that we're to be subject for conscience sake. 
that we might have a good conscience toward God, that we might be honest before God and obey the laws of the land. And then he goes on and adds another reason. He says, for love's sake. Look in verses 8 to 10. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, he says, for love's sake, we need to be submissive one to another. We need to be submissive to the laws of our land. For love's sake, we need to reach out and obey the law of God. And if we're going to obey the law of God, we'll be good citizens of the nation in which we live. 22 years ago today, the Supreme Court handed down one of the most ruthless legal positions America's ever taken. That legally, we can murder little babies in the womb. That's the law of the land. I disagree with that law. But my disagreement with that law does not give me the right to go and shoot the doctor that commits the abortion. God's going to take care of that. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, there's a fine line here. If, for example, you saw someone coming in your home and he was going to hurt or kill your little four-year-old child, even the law says you have a right to defend that child even if it means killing the person who's trying to kill your child. Now, there are some who have taken that back to the child in the womb and say, because that child in the womb is precious, we have the right to kill the person who's trying to kill the child in the womb. Do you think that through? It seems to make sense. But wait a minute. The law of our land has given those doctors the legal right to kill those little babies. Mothers, husbands, men, God will bring vengeance. He'll take care of that. You and I can't do it. It is not within our sphere of influence or ability to try to kill somebody who is killing a little baby in the womb. This afternoon, I think at 2 o'clock, there will be a morning service for all those thousands and thousands and thousands of little babies who have been murdered in the womb. If you can attend that, you ought to do it. 22 years of slaughter. It is time for us to call to God. Oh, Lord God, 
Would you intervene? We're subjects of a government that has ruthlessly legalized this murder. But for love's sake, we need to appeal to God and not take matters in our own hands. The closest we can do be to taking matters in our own hand is to publicly take a stand. Raise up your voice, cry against that. Urge every girl who makes a mistake and becomes pregnant out of wedlock or every married lady who is pregnant and says, I don't want this pregnancy to carry that pregnancy to full term. And if you don't want the child, let somebody adopt that child. There are thousands and thousands and thousands in America that are trying to adopt children. There are not enough children for all the people that want them. And here we are murdering these little babies in the womb. So I join my voice with many others across America today in crying out against that. At the same time, I would appeal to everybody that loves God. Let God take the vengeance. Let God take control. We're not appointed by the Lord to murder people who are trying to do that thing. And then last of all, for Jesus' sake, Honor to whom honor, tribute to whom tribute. Look in verses 11 through 14. And this is the, the cap of this passage. This is the climax of this passage. Listen to it. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in immorality and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It is time for us to wake up. Years later, years ago, a man named Augustine was a profligate man. He had a mother named Monica. He lived in the early Christian movement. And Augustine was a profligate fellow. He was a drunkard. He was profane. He was immoral. He did everything the world did. And it broke his mother's heart. She had tried to train him better. In her early years, she was a Christian, and she had tried to train this young boy in the ways of the Lord, but he rebelled against it. And so he left home, and Monica would try to find out where he was. And wherever she found he was, she would go to that place. Even though she couldn't find him, she'd be in that city, and she'd pray, Lord, touch my boy touch my boy. Oh God, reach out to my son Augustine. 
Then she'd learned he'd gone to another city and she'd moved there. And all over Europe, she went from place to place praying for her son. God answers prayer. Prayer is the mightiest weapon in the universe. If we don't know whether it works or not, it's because we haven't tried it. I don't think it's the matter of length of prayer, it's the matter of the heart. And when the heart gets in trouble and cries out to God, God hears. We have no idea how many sons and daughters have been delivered from a wayward, profligate life because of the heart cry of a daddy or a mother. And so Monica kept praying. Augustine was in a debauchery place one day. And the place was just filled with laughter and fun as the world sees it. And drunkenness and wantonness and immorality. And he left the crowd and stepped out on a veranda to get some fresh air. And there was a piece of paper lying down on the ground. He reached down and picked that piece of paper up. And here's what the paper said. Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in reveling and drunkenness. Not in immorality and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he read those words, God smashed his heart smote his heart, thrust the sword of the Word of God through his heart. He went alone and confessed his sin to God and asked God to forgive him. He later wrote the book called Augustine's Confessions. He became one of the great pillars of the early church. God used him because this scripture passage had smitten his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, honor to whom honor the greatest honor we owe is to Jesus. Knowing the time, it is now high time to wake out of sleep. It is later than we think. Those who are saved, now is the day of our salvation, nearer than when we believed. And you say, what in the world could that mean? It means we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer as the countdown comes to either the coming of the Lord in the air for His own, or our going to him in death. We do not know, assembled here as we are and those who are listening by radio, we do not know in whose honor we may gather at some funeral home before the week is over, someone in this very audience. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. If you're saved, we're marching toward that appointment when we stand before God. How will it be when we stand there? Will we stand with a clear conscience? Will we stand saying, Lord, we gave honor to whom honor was due, and tribute to whom tribute, and especially the honor that was due to the holy name of Jesus. Holy, 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 Lord God.
spitey, and I tried to bring my life into a holiness walk with Christ. And beloved, if you're not saved, you're listening, you're here, you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're on your way to that appointment before God. And when you stand before God, the question then, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with him? Did you receive him? Did you immediately go to him and say, I want the blood of Christ that shed, was shed on the cross applied to my sins. I trust Jesus. I plead the blood. I ask Christ to be my Savior, my sin bearer. Or did you say, I ignored that. I heard the preacher's warning. I knew people prayed for me. I know they came and knocked on my door. I know they talked to me. I know daddy talked to me or mother talked to me. But I just ignored it. Is that what you're going to say? When you stand before God, it will be forever too late. There's no second chance then. You can't say, oh, Lord, I didn't really know it was that serious. I think I'll, I'll could I just start now? And you'll hear the awful words of our Lord, depart from me, I never knew you. And so, while there is time, would you give honor to our Lord? First of all, by trusting Him as your Savior. And secondly, by serving Him, living for Him, honoring Him with your life. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank You for the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. We pray that the Spirit of God will move across every heart and these next closing moments of this service, someone will come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Turn to page 312. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. 312, only trust him. Now listen to this invitation. If you're here without Jesus this morning, you've never trusted him as your savior, won't you come to him now? Just believe upon him. Say, Lord, I want you in my heart. Would you do that? There's some here who have accepted Christ, but you've never confessed him. That's an imponderable. Can you imagine saying, I'm willing to trust what Jesus did on the cross for me, but I'm ashamed to let anybody know about it. If you're saved, take a stand for him today. If you've never been saved, won't you come and trust him while we wait, while we pray, while we sing? Will you come for Christ today?